killers, demons, ghosts outside Screaming you can run but you can't hide You can't scare me, I'm already dead inside um, I've been watching a lot of Lost and I was thinking about when I was walking over here, you're going to ask me like, any watch any horror lately? Have you been watching horror? And I was going to be like, yeah. And because Lost has all those moments where there's a monster or there's somebody with a gun hiding behind a corner or something like that. Uh-huh. So I feel like I've been watching horror movies, but I literally haven't since you and I. How far are you in Lost right now? Uh, season two, episode two or three. It's still good then, right? You just got it's to still the hatch. Good. <laughs> yeah, we're just in the hatch. And um, I, I had watched Lost like when it came out and I had like minimal memory of um, the first season, but I know I'd seen it. Um, and I remember pretty clear like um, like Hurley's episode and stuff. I remember all that. But um, getting to season two, the hatch and the computer and punching in the numbers and stuff. I remember that all like clear as day. Yeah, me too. Like, oh shit. I've definitely seen season two and I've seen it because I feel like if I remember correctly, the hatch is when it starts like it's, you realize, Oh, these aren't just people crashed on a random Island. There's something about this Island that's going it's, on some deeper logic. Yeah. Something much more specific. Yeah. And it's shortly after like they go out on the raft and walk gets taken. So like it's a, right. It's a very like, it's a lot more um, nefarious than it started out as being a random thing. Is it on Netflix now? Lost? No. Because you're not the only one I know who's rewatching it. Like a lot of people now, like right now, seem to be going back and watching Lost again. It's kind of strange. I think what's happening is that like in today's like climate, people are putting out TV shows that make like, I think too much sense. And you need to go back and watch something just insane and random and mm. <laughs> that doesn't reach a conclusion and... It yeah. is it is so trailblazing, like sure. in terms of the one hour drama mystery, but it just feels who was I talking to the other day who described that it's just it's just such a wheel. Like you always have kind of like you could get away watching Lost with just watching the first ten minutes and the last ten minutes of each episode, especially once it gets to those later seasons. Because sure. it's like okay. set up and then like it's just kind of exposition and passing the time in the middle and then something big will guaranteed happen in the last ten minutes and something big will happen in the first ten minutes. Yeah. That was kind of the format for a lot of this like um, big dramatic television before the golden age. Like that was kind of the first steps. 24 was very similar. Yeah. Like, exactly. I was thinking 24. I always Some said Jack watching. Bauer. Yeah. I always said watching 24 that whenever it comes, people should start catching on in this world that whenever it's close to like 1155 or the 55 of whatever hour they're on, they should all just like hide somewhere. <laughs> some crazy shit will always happen at like yeah. 55 minutes of the hour. Just someone in the cast is going to reveal that they, you know, they've been working for the enemy the whole time yeah. or pull a gun on the main, something like that. Someone's about to die. Yeah. Somebody's at least going to be held up by a gun. Yeah. Because that's also like tie you over to the next episode is someone who was good until that last second where right. there was a bum bum. And then you turn around and they're pointing a gun at your favorite character. Or yeah. Something. That's, yeah, that's definitely Lost. That seems like where they're going. Right. And Lost, so Lost is so groundbreaking in so many ways. It was such a huge, amazing TV show that J.J. Abrams put forward. But what it what it didn't have and didn't realize was the importance of like knowing the full narrative structure of where yes. you were going with the TV series. Yeah. Having an end game. Yeah. Like you can kind of see that J.J. Abrams is like, you know how we could stun people in these different ways? Yeah. And, like this is all going to be so mysterious and so exciting. It's like, yeah, but what about conclusive right or you know he had a lot of down. he had a lot of very true and abstract ideas of what would be exciting to watch on yeah. television yeah but didn't have the full vision but and we needed that first step to realize what we needed to go even further yes but lost is a, a pretty dominant character study and all the people who are in it the like the characters are written pretty airtight and you know they yeah. they go through some pretty yes yeah, so, so far for me like what they do and the choices that they make and who's gonna you know, betray people for this episode, you know, it all, it's always so justified and there's like some pretty deep seated, you know, chips on everybody's shoulder. You know, Mm -hmm. it's pretty satisfying just to watch that, that middle, you know, that middle sort of exposition part, because that's where a lot of the 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 relationships and the character development. Yeah. That's where it's happening. It's pretty satisfying. We'll see how you feel when you get to season five and six where it really gets a little more meandering. I'm told. Yeah. I, I, I gave up after, I think into season three, once they just started adding, so much more mystery without tying any of the loose ends. Yeah. That's when I'm like, okay, come on. I need some closure on some plot line because this is just way too much. I'm ready for that. I tried my hardest to watch the show Zoo. Did I ever tell you about this? Uh, no, I, like I'm, I remember that show, but no, you never talked to I, me about it. I just decided to try to watch the first season and even knowing that there's no way this is going to be good. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. It was just grossly bad. In what was all the, the temptation? Ways. Um, it's a show about animals attacking people. Mm-hmm. 
So that was, do that I have to enough. say any more? I guess not. <laughs> like guess one episode's going to be Dave. bees. One episode's going to be like sharks climbing onto the land. I don't know. Stuff like that. Wait, sure. that's how it is? It's self-contained? There's yeah. the bees episode, the shark episode? Yeah. There's always some problem and that problem is always like manifested Centered by like, around a single typically. animal type. Yeah. That's insane. It's awesome, dude. <laughs> it's like terrible. The acting is like you couldn't ask for anything worse than the acting they give you, especially in season one. It's horrific. Um, the dialogue is blocky and terrible. Mm-hmm. Um the the effects aren't even great but like the concept that animals are just gonna be attacking people that's so got me through five or six episodes that's a bizarre concept and i know it's based on a stephen king novel so it's probably more substantial but the concept of like under the dome oh a town is in a dome yeah just like the simpsons movie Uh, which was what do you think of that movie the simpsons movie yeah i can't remember it's been a while now that great yeah i mean like it wasn't in their heyday after like their first great like yeah. run of seasons to like up 10, to season 11 the 10 movie 11, came out yeah. a few years after that like yeah, after in, the decline in their lull but like they've come back since right the simpsons Have are they? good now yeah yeah um i don't watch them i mean this is completely based on nothing but like everyone i know is like simpsons is good oh wow you know, it's one of the good front-running animated comedy shows that isn't rick and morty wow yeah i've heard i've heard there they have had like a few there are, have been some good years that like since, yeah. since maybe that's season 11 it dunk it. there's been like a few kind of re um reclaiming of that great animated cartoon yeah that's glory days yeah yeah um so even the new animation i find a little off-putting like it's like it's a little different yeah it's so sharp it's not hand drawn i don't know how long the hand drawn went on for but it clearly is computer animated yeah animation which is okay we're used to it and i find i'm except i've accepted it for all newer shows like rick and morty and even south park now yeah but it's it feels a little more jarring for the Simpsons, because it's yeah. got such a history in your exactly, memory. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I bet people who like tuned in at season like 20 don't care. It's so nice to have these Sundays these days. We were talking a little earlier about it it's on the topic of Rick and Morty. I mean, for yeah. us fans, we've waited so long, and the payoff has been great. Each episode has just been like A-plus Rick and Morty episodes. Yeah, it's been like they're on one of the most like steep inclines of like show quality that I've ever seen. Like yeah. they're so good and they get so much better every time, every new season. Which makes, which totally vindicates like how long it took in a certain yeah. way and their struggle. Like Dan Harmon and Justin Rollins, like how long that they took to put it out. He's come out and said, it's because of how much we struggled creatively with where to write the show and what yeah. direction to take it in. But the payoff, it worked. Like yeah. they arrived at such a great final product so I th- far. I feel like you were telling me even like they were saying like, do not blame animators for how long this is taking. This is the writing. This yeah. is us like coming up with the show that's yeah. taking so long. And I mean, the most recent episode is, you know, speaks to how fucking right that was to wait and, and you know, fine tune everything so that you get pickle rick episodes i'm pickle rick <laughs> i can't wait to watch that again i know i i watched it last night and i'm gonna watch it tonight like it was yeah. so good it was hilarious and it was just like there's so much adrenaline in rick and morty now like mm-hmm. it is a very violent action show. oh more blood than, than ever any i recall yeah. earlier seasons for sure oh well i mean i just watched an episode from season two and it's one where um uh, the tiny rick episode uh, tiny rick is, has so many parallels to pickle rick yes he's in another vehicle and the whole episode when he comes back from that whole adventure and he like beats his teen angst and gets back into his old body mm-hmm. um he i forget what he calls it but he's like project phoenix is obviously not gonna work and he goes in the he's naked and he goes into like his little cellar with an axe and he chops up a bunch of clones of himself oh yeah oh, like, one yeah. more swing for the road <laughs> <laughs> and the purge episode is extremely bloody too sure yeah 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 so like, the blood's always in there but there, there's i felt like there was so much blood in this pickle rick episode it, well even in the very very first episode it was them escaping from um that interdimensional customs right and they have that gunfight with the the bug guards yeah and Morty had the giant seeds up his ass. Yep. Yeah. He gave him temporary super intelligence and <laughs> <laughs> caused him to lose his motor function for 72 hours. But oh. Yeah. It's always been pretty violent, but holy shit. And just so Rick. many, so many jokes per minute. Like they, yeah. that's why it's so exciting to rewatch. Cause you'll just catch and laugh on things that you forgot about, or you didn't even catch the first time. Yeah. through. Like who here does not think yeah. that the syringe contains <laughs> anti pickle serum. <laughs> and <laughs> like half razors are in. Yeah. <laughs> And then the wrist is like, I saw you do like a little thing with your hand there for a second. Do you want to open up about what that was all about? So good. It's like, kids, what do you think is in the syringe? Anti-pickle serum. (laughs) 
so I mean, we have that on Sunday nights and New Game of Thrones episodes uh, and John Oliver. It's just a full, great, wonderful lineup. It just makes Sunday nights so so exciting. And uh, for in in some ways, well, I mean, if you don't, how did you? You don't have HBO, do you? No. So how do you get? Do you stream it on the night? Um, I'll stream it on the night. I can find sites that stream it um, somewhat good quality enough or else I'll download it the next day or two. Okay, so it's somewhat good quality versus like the fight of trying to find uh, a torrent that HBO hasn't shut down. Yeah, and which doesn't seem like too hard to fight. I seem, I never seem to have a trouble have trouble. The finding. night of, I have trouble finding torrents where I like usually, um, yes, I mean, two years yeah, ago, yeah. after the episode, you could have a torrent in right 10 away. minutes. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it would be there, but not anymore because HBO is like fighting hard on it. And they're, they're also really the are. ones who are throwing like those like letters out uh, like internet providers yes. to go like, which in Canada, they don't have much. They don't have much power. It's just yeah. kind of like a gesture. Yeah. Kind of At the same time, you get like your 25th one of those. and You're like, I should stop doing this. Yeah, but at the same time, good. HBO isn't providing us here in Canada any I know. easy way to access it. I if would, you don't I would have, love to pay yeah. some monthly fee to just get HBO shows. Uh, we I would had this, love to do that. I had this like r- crazy rant about like how upset I am with HBO because people in Canada who don't have a cable subscription, which is everyone under the age of thirty, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have cable unless your mom has it. You can't get HBO Go. You can't even do any of those free trials. That's fine. I would pay money per episode if I could just get the Canadian version of thing. But HBO has dug their fucking heels in. Like cable TV is the way of the future. Yeah, I don't. See, I, they're like blinders on. Like I don't see Netflix. I don't see that. I don't see any of these streaming services that are becoming super successful, creating like Amazon, like all those things. They don't exist to me. I'm gonna dig my heels in the goddamn cable which nobody has and because of that us here up in the great white north just can't get it if you don't have that cable subscription it's crazy i don't you know if it's, can't if watch it's it. like the the contracts that they have with these cable providers are so airtight that they can't offer that service because it seems crazy to not capitalize yeah. on why, so much money they could make like why is hbo the only one amc yeah. doesn't do it Oh, you can get an AMC thing independent of a cable subscription? Um, I'm not totally positive about that. But, I mean, AMC, at least they're not policing their um, their files so heavily afterwards. And they're not oh, you mean like in terms of trying notices. to shut down the torrents? Yeah, I yeah. feel like I could pay money and get Walking Dead in one right. way or another. Like, if it be it Xbox Live, be it whatever service it's connected to, yeah. I feel like it's possible for me in Canada. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I could be. I'm just... I'm really speaking out of frustration at HBO right now. No, totally. Um, but I'm, they're not, they're both making it impossible for people without a cable subscription in Canada to get it. And they're killing streams and torrents as hard as they can. They're throwing money at keeping cable floating. And I don't understand why. None of us can, like a cable subscription is a lot of money. You yeah. know, like we, we, none of us want to pay 60 to 70, $80 a month just to be able to get like a few shows we want. Cause it's just so much bullshit across any yeah. channels that we don't want to watch. Yeah. We would, we would happily pay five to ten dollars a month to get access to all those hbo shows yeah, that I, we're gonna watch don't don't you feel way. like you should be able to go to hbo's website and sign up for it you of should course, go to espn and just sign up for a couple it. bucks per episode like yeah. that would be wonderful and we like we have to get there eventually it's just the most logical sensible that's, and money-making way to go that's why it's so crazy that i can't do that that i can't throw money at the problem and get it and take care of it yeah. i just can't if i don't have cable i just can't yeah. and that fuck them um, another thing to their detriment, not that it's the same, but like I also am really holding it against HBO that Ed Sheeran was in that Game of Thrones episode. Oh yeah, HBO th- biggest flaw in Game of Thrones history, I think so far it is, is Ed Sheeran that gratuitous bullshit cameo. Yes, like he may as well have winked. Mm-hmm. He may as well not even been in period costume. Like just just yeah. put him there and clo- put him on his guitar and just sing a fucking song because yeah. like. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, exactly. And it, just the way that that like circle scene was shot, his dumb fucking face was in every shot. And he was he, the inability to Smiling act like a little idiot, like a stupid jackass. His inability to act up against like the show juggernaut that is Arya Stark. Yeah. Like that's offensive to me that she's talking to Ed Sheeran and that they make that stupid joke about like yeah. that song you were singing. I've never heard that before. It's new. It's from his new fucking album. Are yeah, you, I'm are serious. You serious. I'm serious. No. Look into that, but the thing he was singing, I think, is a renovated version of one of the songs that is on his album. Oh, my and God. And then I think Arya says something about, like, I've never heard that before, and he says it's new. That is that is the most bullshit. Okay, if you're going to, if you want to surprise the actress who played Arya Stark, because I remember reading somewhere that she's a big Ed Sheeran That's fan, why. Is, yeah, that's, that's the why thing. they want to do this. That's the thing. If you want to do that, great. Have him come to set, dress him up, and do the scene, like, one take, like, the first take. Have him sitting there and surprise her, sing a song, have a fun little 
casting for crew doing the and then get another actor to come in and do the scene for the actual show mm-hmm. don't don't like shit all over your own series with some bullshit cross promo thing for a pop star i agree wholeheartedly man i feel like what could have been cool another way to handle that is if like aria was getting revenge on somebody or something there's a big scene of her killing everybody in a room and he's the one she doesn't that's like the actress getting her mm. like i didn't kill ed sheeran because i like him mm. you know but then ed sheeran is like not a cool singing songy character whose stupid face is on screen 100 percent of the time or the scene goes okay enter aria all those dudes are sitting there there he starts playing his song or whatever aria's and he's like that's new and she's like that song sucks <laughs> slices his throat he dies <laughs> that would have been it's still i would have been angry at it but i would have been a little happier i would have been uh, I was saying how petty it is, but I would have been happy if he died. Yeah. <laughs> That's super petty, but it's true. And it That's just a... shows how gratuitous it is that like we'll never see him again. Like it was just for that one stupid little scene. Yeah. Like there was no that scene has no place in it's... this show whatsoever. Yeah. Well, it did have some place in that Arya was admitting to some sort of like some passersby or some soldiers or some nobodies in the world mm-hmm. that she is gonna kill the queen. That was go, big. Her intentions are to go kill the queen. But she Cersei. said it to Ed Sheeran. <laughs> that sucks. She should have said that to somebody who it matters, like her uh, her old friend like that the big fat kid from the inn yeah they, she should have said it to him or something yeah like, that would have been a great moment so do do you think like Arya is going to be the one that kills Cersei um I hope so but I don't I don't know I don't think so I, I really wonder yeah at this point it could be anyone it could yeah, be a dragon yeah. it could be I, I'd love to see like a nice just chomping in the mouth of a dragon oh man that'd be great right uh, Cersei's gonna have a somewhat dignified death I think because she's not I don't think you think she'll do it herself maybe no. I think it'll be like a confronting, like she knows it's just the end and she has like gets a few words out and then it happens kind of deal. Like I think it's going to be a somewhat respectful. And death for sure. Not locking in the dungeons. Definitely not. No, no, she's going to die. I think she's just like you said, she's going to die at the end of the season and then they're going to focus. White Walker next next round. Yeah, that's the best guess I got. And that was coming from Jody and and you. Mm -hmm. But it seems it makes sense to me. (laughs) Narratively, that seems to be where all the how all the pieces will fall into place. Yeah. And um not to make this a massive part of this conversation, but a very, very small Dave's Game Corner here. Um, welcome back to Dave's Game Corner. Um, I'm pretty interested in trying out the new Telltale Games uh, Game of Thrones edition. Telltale Games um, makes, uh, for you, Chris, and the listeners who don't know, Telltale Games makes um, these sort of very story-based um, games where it's more like choosing your own adventure because mm-hmm. the gameplay elements are slim they're not very much it's just about choosing and seeing what happens inside of this universe so they did walking dead um i think they've done a game of thrones thing before but there's like a a new one kind of coming out so i'm pretty interested in that i kind of want to like play it with jody cool so it's going to be like a narrative walkthrough linear story game yeah and released on Uh, what platforms um it'll probably the big ones playstation xbox potentially even Wii. they've always had the telltale games or the um nintendo and it's just straight up game of thrones game game of telltale games game of thrones um and everybody who knows telltale games knows that they're basically the, the storybook of games right and it's all about you choosing what happens and then the with the choice you made right at the beginning chooses which of these two people's alive and it branches from there so oh my god it's, it's so really it's like cool choose your own adventure kind of video yeah. game and then that makes it exciting to go back and play again and make different choices and see what happens yeah, yeah. it's ah oh, they're really cool games yeah that must be insane to write and program just to have well, it branch off in so many directions. Yeah. And what's cool about that is it's a game for non like super high octane gamers. It's for people who like storytelling. Right. You know, like I think that's a really cool component of the gaming industry is um, the newest Max or maybe not the newest. That's Andromeda. But uh, Mass Effect 3 was a lot like that. They had um, three different modes you could choose from right at the beginning. It's like storytelling mode um, and then like an action mode. And then there's like one that was full first person shooter that had no choices to be made. Huh. And you and the first one is just all choices and like low impact combat. Right. So it's like people who like being told a story in games, which there's really no other thing like being told a story where you're playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, some people like the story more than they like the pulling the trigger, you know? Yeah. That's cool. I'm speaking kinda, speaking of Dave's game corner, I mean Ooh. some exciting news is <laughs> 
we finally have an Xbox here at my place and Dead Space. Dead Space. After you hyping it for 20 episodes or so. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited. I finally get to start playing this thing. Yep. So we'll give you um, weekly updates on my progress with Dead Space. We won't take up too much time, but we'll we'll keep you abreast of what's happening we'll and how fun the game is. I wonder how much this is going to bleed into if our movie choices become real sci-fi right you know I, we we don't know i mean we're doing something very interesting today in oh, terms yeah. of what movie we're watching you obviously already know what movie we're watching because it's the title card and the title of this episode yes the listener knows right this second <laughs> yeah the listener knows what movie we're about to watch but we do not know what movie we're about uh, that to watch. is correct we don't <laughs> so um you want to introduce how we've set this up what we've decided to yeah. do yeah what we're gonna do is chris and i have gone and we've chosen um uh, we've each chosen a movie that we want to watch uh, but we haven't told the other what it is and we're gonna do a live rock paper scissors to determine which of the, those two movies we're gonna watch today but it's random the other person doesn't know no concept whatsoever mm-hmm. um so it's uh it's exciting it is we've we've never done something like this before we always usually talk I mean, at the very least, the day of, we'll figure out, you know, what yeah. we're going to watch before we start recording. I think Blair Witch was the one exception. That was. That yeah. was kind of an impulsive last minute flip, but we both decided to do it together. Yeah, sure. We're here. We're agreeing. We're consenting to watch whatever the other chooses, yeah. <laughs> depending on who wins this Rock, Paper, Scissors. And then the loser will get to determine what we watch the next time. Next week, and yeah. we'll keep that secret as well. Yes, we will. All right. So, yeah, this is great. Have you now you were down to two that you have brought with you? Yeah. And have you decided which one you want to watch out of those two? Nope. Okay. I will when I, uh, when you win. When I, <laughs> uh, we'll see if I win. I'll definitely win. I've never lost rock, paper, scissors before in my life. Oh, I don't like that. Mm hmm. <laughs> okay. So, just so we know, so we don't fuck this up because we probably will. When we do it, we're going to go, are we, do you do the one, two, three shoot? Do you do rock, paper, scissors? On scissors. Rock, paper, scissors, scissors is, the, is the delivery. Great. That's how I do it too. Good. Yeah. Good, good, good. All right. So. Oh God, I'm nervous. Here we go. Let's play some mind games here. Yeah. Okay. I'm staring Chris down right now. Mm-hmm. He's Chris staring me. me I think he's a little better at this. You're seeing, you're seeing little, little papers in my, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just see the, the peace sign. Exactly. <laughs> go through one eye. So rock, paper, and then on scissors we do it. Yeah. Are we doing two out of three or just one shot? I say day? one. Let's do it, man. Yeah. Ready? Davis told me in the past he always picks rock. So I'm going to go with paper. Trying to throw me off by saying I see paper in your eyes. I can throw paper. You're just trying to anticipate my rock. I'm throwing a rock. Rock, paper, scissors. Ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> You even said you're gonna do paper. <sighs> Damn it! All right, so we get to watch my movie, and are you ready for this? What I I've guess. chosen. I hope it's life. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> what do you think I was gonna throw at you? Uh, well, I'll, uh, I don't want to make that's, any guesses. That's a joke. Yeah, next week I okay, wouldn't have made gotcha. you watch Life, but I was gonna say Life. I would have done it. I probably would have watched it. I know, but we can still watch it. Life is an exciting movie. It's a fun. It's extremely watchable movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. It's very watchable. I like I enjoy watching the movie and I would watch it again. That's awesome. We could do it for an episode. Oh, cool. Wow. That changes everything because I was going to use it as a dig against you. It's like, <laughs> I had a life, only I like it. <laughs> no, I told you right away, but I think you wanted me to, because you really, really liked it. Oh, yeah. To and this I think, day, I still love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. And I, I think because I didn't love, love it, <laughs> you got pissed off. And you're like, fucking Chris. It's a chip on my like, shoulder now. Yeah. He like, hates life. Doesn't like it as much, but I do, I do like it. Um. Okay. What is it? Uh, so this movie is from 1981. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> okay. And I mean, you give me this power to pick a movie on my own. I'm just going to go with what I'm really obsessed with right now. And mm-hmm. with horror movies, what I'm really obsessed with is just going back and discovering all these old Italian horror movies from these Italian directors. Mm-hmm. That's all I want to do. I'm so excited that this weekend, and it's so weird because it got announced right after we watched Demons that... Yeah the Royal was going to do a Mario Bava film fest, which is Lamberto Bava, the director of demons, his father's his father. Movies. Yeah. So this weekend, four of his movies are coming to the Royal. I'm going to watch all four of them. I hope you can make it out to as many as you can. I will try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's going to be a great, great time. A bunch of them are being shown for the first time in their restored edition. So they look in better quality than they ever have. So I'm getting, we're maybe going Mario Bava today. Well, so the big, from my understanding at this point, the big uh, Italian horror directors of the 60s, 70s, and 80s are Dario Argento, Mario Bava, and And? Lucio Fulci is the third one. Okay. Okay. And you know him as the director of Zombie 2. Oh, shit. So he directed Zombie 2. And doing a little bit of research, we've 
I mean, this whole Night of the Living Dead saga and all the different franchises and spinoffs. Oh, man, I'm getting excited. The plot thickens even more, okay, on this, because we, I think we ascertained in a previous episode that Argento recut Night of the Living Dead and released it in Italy. Yeah, as an Italian version. As an Italian version. That Italian version. With Goblin. With Goblin's music, yeah. Yeah. That Italian version is called Zombie with the I. That's the first zombie. Yeah. Okay? Yes. So that technically is the first zombie in Italy. And... At the same time, when that was being re-edited for distribution, Fulci was working on a zombie movie at the same time, but the studios that he was working with, they decided, you know what, let's just call it Zombie 2, and then more people will come out to it. So it wasn't intended to be a sequel to Night of the Living Dead, but they just, for all intents and purposes, released it in Italy as the sequel to the recut version of Night of the Living Dead, which is insane. Yeah, which is... yeah. I don't and think then, that's uh, not the canon progression yes. of Night of the Living Dead, uh-huh. but like the Italian side if you're an italian person they went with it yeah you saw night of the living dead and then you saw zombie 2 exactly yeah Yeah, but your understanding of night of the living dead in italy was that it was zombie 1 yes spelled the italian way with the i yeah but now american audiences because that fulci one zombie 2 they weren't aware of this whole other recut version of zombie so zombie 2 was released in america as zombie z-o-m-b-i-e yes in the states okay yeah, yeah, okay yeah. i'm with you so far and then the sequels in italy this is this isn't related directly this is all the only thing that has in common with the movie that we're watching today is it's the same director i just Fair wanted enough. to give all this exposition this about is the great. zombie thing no i, I love really yeah. nailing this down so then there was a zombie three and a zombie four in italy and those just got released as zombie three and four in the states as well with no explanation as why there wasn't why there's zombie no two, two. <laughs> Zombie 2 then got released in Germany, and then Germany had their own sequels to it that went off in a tangent in same in Britain. So it's just insane how that first Night of the Living Dead exploded into so many different franchises and iterations Uh, in different countries. I feel like I have so much to say about that. Like, that's what zombie movies do, especially if you've never seen them before. It just fills you with, like, imagination. You're like, nowhere else I could apply this, all these rules that I just saw on screen. Right. Here in on a on a Caribbean island, here in the the cliffs of Dover, <laughs> you know, and how fitting that like a zombie movie and franchise spread like the infection of a zombie yeah. infection <laughs> and Dude, just cool. went yeah, yeah. into different in different countries, different iterations. This would never happen today in the age of the internet and the spread of information. You were able to in that time just exist without knowledge of what was happening in other countries. At mm-hmm. least viewers who were just attending, simply attending the theater could just go and they wouldn't be aware of all these different iterations in different countries, you know? Yeah. Or you'd have to be a real diehard nerd and on your game to somehow be aware. So on your game at yeah. this point in history without the internet. Like, yeah, yeah. How yeah. in the world did you know that? Just be on the phone with your friends in Italy all the time? Yeah, or maybe there were some underground magazines that went around maybe. that people could click in and get that information. But what we're watching today is what's held to be one of his best movies, um, and so say his name again, uh, Lucio Fulci. Lucio Fulci. Okay. Yeah, the last name is F U L C I Fulci. So along okay. with Argento and Bava, they're held as kind of the big Italian horror greats. And this movie is called The Beyond, and it's on a lot of top uh, like fifty yeah, lists of horror. Definitely of all seen times. the name. Yeah, and like Argento's uh, The Three Mothers trilogy, where you have Suspiria, Inferno, and then what's the third one called? Mother of Tears, I think. Um, along how he had those three tri- those three movies that are, form a trilogy, but each are standalone films. The Beyond is technically the second in a trilogy, okay? okay. But there, it's a standalone film enough that you can watch it on your own. And I I did a lot of reading to different forums about do you need to watch this first one? Is that important? And more people said no. If you're watching your first Fulci film, like just start with The Beyond. Like it's sure. standalone enough. You don't need to watch that first one. Like uh, like Godfather Two. Sure. Yeah. 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 I don't know if I'm right about that. <laughs> well, we'll take it. Um, but definitely, like, uh, when I think of Inferno, you could watch Inferno without having watched Suspiria and still have a great yeah. experience. Like, there's, there, there is a larger narrative that would make it more, a slightly more rich of an experience, but it's not like a sequel that depends entirely on the knowledge but of the first one. Is it like a meta connection or is it like a story connection? I'm not sure. I'm not, I, and, and, I mean, in Suspiria and Inferno. Oh, no, it's just because it's, again, like... The, what ties that trilogy together it's there's three specific witch witches covens. okay yeah oh, there's three oh, okay. specific witches so the first one you're, you're seeing kind of the first main witch the second one is the second witch and then the third one the third one but they all kind of are tied okay. together by this overarching story but the story isn't integral to enjoying that individual story as Got well it. it for it just for real yeah, fans it it'll richer, richer yeah. it'll make it richer but it's not going to ruin your experience of that individual story Got it. cool and um, in regards to the beyond, apparently it's the exact same thing. So what I'm trying to say is we're not going to be deprived of too much, I hope, by not watching the first one. We're just going to watch the second story. 
Cool. Wow. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. All right, man. So that is the choice I made, and that's the one we're going to watch. Here we go. What's it, what's it called one more time? The Beyond. The Beyond. I guess that's what we're going to watch. Would you like to watch The Beyond and have a drink? Can't think of anything else I'd rather do. Cheers. Cheers. I didn't think I was going to win that. <laughs> no, I didn't either. <laughs> I thought that's a beat rock. <laughs> Okay, okay, so cut to the meeting where I'm I'm the executive producer, so I'm in charge of budget. You are Fulci, and yep. I'm telling you that basically we're out of budget and you have your final last big <laughs> hell scene to shoot, all right? All right. Got it. Okay, ready? Good. Fulci, uh, sit down. I know I know you have uh, 10 days left of production. First of all, how are things going? It's great. I can't wait. Uh, we're, we've got this new the scene coming out. There's all these zombies. It's going to be awesome. Every one of their heads is going to explode. It's going to be amazing. Okay, uh, I just, I'm, I'm so sorry to have to deliver this news, what, but... What? What? Um, you don't seem very hopeful. We're excited. This is a su- super exciting movie. It's so bloody and gross. Aren't so, you excited still? Remember when you asked for very specific tarantulas, and I told you that the only way we can get those specific orange lake tarantulas is yeah. if we charter a private jet over to Asia and get those tarantulas and bring them back, and I told you that's going to cost millions of dollars yeah no to go to the jungle and get these specific spiders some expensive spiders yeah 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 yeah. um it's gonna look great by the way it looks really good so far yeah i'm sure no doubt um you spent basically like the rest of our budget so we've only got ten thousand dollars for your last big zombie apocalypse scene um okay um and also, we don't have enough money to pay for crew, so we're just we're going to need to do that giant scene. I know you were super ambitious about it, but we're going to have to film it in like one day. Okay, so when I pitched the scene, I'm sure you remember, each one of these zombies is going to be levitating 12 inches off the ground, I, and they're going to have lightning coming out of their eyes. Yep, I, I remember yep. all of that. I remember um, they're just... Gonna, they're going to be bouncing off the walls, moving real fast, flying around, lots of fire, lots of stuff like that, right? I know. I know you wanted it to eventually transfer to a volcano as well. We have the yep. volcano booked. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't, we can't even get back our deposit on that, but we, we're not going to be able to pay for the rest of the volcano. We, the levitation is going to have to go. The lightning is going to have to go. So, Unfortunately, we can't. We can only afford one prop gun. No. No. Okay. One, but one, the head explosions, though, we have that, right? We can oh. afford that. Okay, you know, if we if you fire how many just tell me, how many head explosions can we afford at this point? If we don't feed our crew, uh-huh. we can afford one head explosion. Oh my god. It's the girl. It's a blind girl, but that's also also um like we, we have that one painting of hell, and I know you wanted to create a whole crazy hellscape with different angles and everything. Sure. Yeah. No, I, we've, we've got the one, we've got the one plotted out and we the just painting, need about 12 yeah. more. Yeah. We've got the one set plotted. It looks great. We we're, just need 12 more of those. Un- unfortunately, we're just going to have to use that single painting shot and no. that's going to have to be in every direction. No, it can only be shot from one direction. It'll look silly. Fulci, you blew your fucking budget on spiders. I'm sorry. I, you, I my hands this, are tied. I can't give this a shirt. <laughs> 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 and that is why the movie has the ending that it does that's why there's one gun <laughs> that has 10 bullet a 10 bullet barrel for some reason i was like and i kind of wanted to go back and just count the amount the amount killed before it looked like he was reloading into the barrel of the gun like you said i want to count how many kills he got first because it's probably like six you know he probably like fired like six or nine or something weird and then the second time there was 10 who knows <laughs> but yeah that gun did not function as it should <laughs> No, because I'm very conscious of that. Like when someone loads a six barrel gun, I'm always like, are you going to do it? Are you going to line up those six? Because it's so powerful in Dr. No, the first Bond movie with Sean Connery. Mm -hmm. One of the bad guys comes in and he's shooting six people and he shoots six of them. And then he has a gun pointed at Bond and Bond is just standing there so casually. Right, because he's empty. And he's like, that's the Smith & Wesson and you've already had your six. And then shoots him in the head and kills him and it's such a great little moment. Yep, yep, yep. So even since that, like I'm always like, okay, that was six bullets that he loaded Mm -hmm. in. How many shots does he have? And not only did they go over by one, but they went over by four in this one he had <laughs> 10 shots there's uh that's a joke that they refer to frequently in last action hero with arnold schwarzenegger yeah yeah he because he's from an action movie and he comes oh, right, to the right, real right. world in the action movie he's just they never have to reload and his gun like <laughs> runs out and he doesn't understand <laughs> <laughs> and he punches through like a window and it hurts and he doesn't understand <laughs> oh i love it it's so good it's such a great movie we just watched the beyond 
feeling very mixed on that one. Yeah, mixed is a good way to describe that um, yeah. because let's start with me. Let's start with maybe what we didn't like about it. Okay. Yeah. Um, out of the gate, the one thing that I really didn't like uh, was some of the acting and dialogue, especially like in the first half of the movie, was just so choppy and unnatural mm, and horrible. like uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> it just takes me right out of it. You can't build suspense if you have people like saying the most unnatural dialogue to each other. And in the spirit of a lot of these Italian horrors, it is overdubbed. So Yes, it certainly the fuck is. And this one's like Suspiria is as well, but this one's very, this very one, noticeable. It's so obvious, yeah. Yeah. I was the lips that. are not matching up with no. the way they're and the volume at which they're saying the lines. Yes. You yes. Know. Like specifically what comes to mind was the uh scene where the guys were on the scaffolding painting the house when mm-hmm. he first falls off of that. Yeah. That when they were walking up to speak to him. It was just different mouths just right. saying. They're like, ah, we can throw in whatever we want there. Just move your mouths up and down. Yeah. <laughs> we'll throw in whatever we want. A, lo- a lot of terrible motor skills, especially yeah. with people on uh-huh. high like scaffolding or ladders. Yeah. Seeing something frightening just makes them like better take three steps backwards. Yeah. You know, that's fall just to my death <laughs> every time or fall to my like paralysis. And then whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Yep. They fall backwards. Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> uh-huh. So that was a little goofy. Um, How about I, you? I think that's where it stands for me mostly is just like the performances and the dialogue. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, and honestly, like, I I love the concept so much. And I was so pumped with that opening flashback and then gunning it to the present. Like, mm-hmm. the setup for me is amazing. This is exactly the kind of story that I want to see more of. These are the kind of yeah. horror movies that I... I'm really loving right now. You know, some kind of gateway to hell is a great thing. Gateway to hell is great. Yeah. Yeah. Like demon movie. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Some like old secret force or like an old building that has a history that we're Mm -hmm. now discovering and uncovering. That's very exciting. Yeah. Very, very Suspiria. Yeah. But it wasn't, I just, I did not fully love how it was all executed and how it all came together. Like it seemed like most of the heart of the movie and the real, um motivation for the director was just these scenes of gore like these uh, yeah 100%. you know what i mean that's what this movie was yeah it's like i want to do some awesome fun practical effects and i need narrative to string it together but it seems like more of the attention was paid on the gore than maybe putting yeah. together like a great and exciting narrative yeah um this is number two of three yes right okay yeah so um yeah, with that in mind, I think like they did set up in terms of the narrative. I think they did put together some interesting concepts and like we kind of everyone we saw die mm-hmm. on screen came back in that one scene with the blind woman and the dog. That was probably my, one of my favorite scenes. That of the could whole be movie. my favorite scene of the movie. It was, yeah. it was very exciting. It was well shot. I loved like that top down look where you just see them all just standing frozen yeah. in yeah. a circle, just staring. And at she's her. just screaming like, "No, no, don't take me back! Don't take me back! I did what you wanted." Yeah. yeah, she's just blind in the corner. That was terrifying. Yeah, I loved, I loved that moment. That was really good it and and really hilarious. It, so it's like she was sent back to the real world for a period of time to do some things, right? To do the mm-hmm. bidding of the hell keepers or the people in hell, apparently. Yeah, and they provided her with a German Shepherd, so she could see. <laughs> <laughs> I commented several times. It's just the dog from Suspiria. Is was that also a German Shepherd? Uh, yeah, it was a German Shepherd with the same like back apparatus that's awesome i won yeah. yeah well they were filmed like four years apart but maybe let's let's say maybe let's that, say it was. that looked like a pretty youthful dog so i don't think so but <laughs> they're <laughs> i wondered too but when we were watching demons about that um little kid in the back car at the end in that final scene when demons? they're driving away yeah and demons when they finally get out of the place and they hop in the car of people mm-hmm. who are like let's go to a town next like we see lights in the distance we might be safe over there yeah. remember when they're driving away i do there's like a, a little kid in the back who's got like white hair and he's just kind of staring off in the distance and i was wondering is that the same kid from suspiria that was brought to mind right mm. away but there's no uh, way because that's like eight years apart or something yes okay yeah. yes no it's definitely not the same kid like actor no i'm like, just saying when, when we're watching these like other italian movies yeah other ones are coming to mind it would be cool time. to connect like actors or, or something from those italian movies yeah that would be really cool if, like oh i saw you in another late 70s italian movie i'm sure there is some crossover so there has there to must be, be. Yeah, yeah somewhere yeah. like it happens here all the time yeah yeah like a tremendous amount they're all buddies they're they've got to be like recommending actors to each other for who would be good in what roles sure et cetera, or, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, and then the same directors just doing their different movies. Like even here, they'll carry on. Yeah, like a director will take an actor from a movie because they worked really well. And totally, you know, Johnny Depp and uh, what's his <laughs> name? Um, why can't I remember the name of the dude? Uh, 
Burton, Tim Burton, Johnny right. Depp and Tim Burton. You Work know? well together. That kind of, that um, kind of deal. The the watery blood was a little distracting as well. Yeah, I, I, that one I'll forgive because yeah. it's old. Like because the whole movie's aesthetic was drippy, gooey, watery. It was, but no matter what, that blood to be just a little slower, just a tiny bit slower, a little bit more viscous. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. But at the same time, like Suspiria is like that. A lot of them are like that. Yeah, I feel like this is the worst one. I feel like this is the worst. Chris says this is the worst for drippy blood. (laughs) For (laughs) let us know (laughs) if you agree. Um, Yeah, but that bugged me too. And uh, I liked how when they did that open, which had the exact same effect, it was in that like sepia tone, so you could tell it was from the twenties. Yep. I like first. I'm like, well, that's on the nose. But and like, I love the acting. I love the acting in that opening shot. I thought it was that was superior so to so much better. The movie's acting. Yeah. Yeah. It was almost this like sign. Well, you know, anytime someone spoke in this movie, it was terrible. That's it. Maybe it's because <laughs> they didn't have to speak, and maybe his dialogue yeah. is not amazing. It's, I don't know if he wrote it. We should probably know that. Well, what happens like for these movies, these American movies, is how does the um, translation work? When you're making one of these movies, do they do they speak English as fluently as they speak Italian? Yeah, like are they are they all American actors? Like I know in um, dang, I can't even remember what movie I'm trying to bring up right now, but I know there's another one of these um, probably Italian horror movies that was made for an American audience. Mm-hmm. Um, Suspiria, I guess, is is a good one to um, choose, but like they the some of the actors involved like seem like they have a very tenuous grasp on the english language and mm-hmm. like the subtleties involved in Suspiria, one of them didn't even really speak english they had to like dictate tonally like how to say yeah yeah yeah, yeah. say all the words yeah um and uh, it seems like there might be a little bit of that but i am curious about how i don't know someone who doesn't speak english makes an english movie you know, like I don't totally understand the process there. And well, like, I'm assuming they at least speak English, but it's uh, the question of think, how how much how well they speak English. I forget the name of the director of this movie. Uh, Lucio Fulci. Nice dude, Lucio Fulci. Um, think Lucio speaks English? Yeah, definitely. If you're making a movie, like you've got to at least speak English to be making and wanting to set this movie in America. I can't even tell you if you wanted to just give like a bullet point progression of what happened in this movie. I can't totally. Maybe I will with some time and some reflection, but totally explain what happened. You know what the progression was, like where they ended. Like, I guess they, it was a gate to hell and they ended up in hell. Mm -hmm. But why everything happened, why they were like picking off certain people, why some people had a history with. It's very choppy. That's why, again, I think, I think it's mostly just, he wanted to, he wants to show off his practical effects. That's kind of where his heart is. That's what it's, that's what it seems like. It is what it seems Narratively, it's not amazing. Like it's not airtight. And no. It just seems strange. Not at all. It's like, and even the setup is okay. Like, okay, this person from New York is at wit's end financially and has kind of one last horse in the race of trying to make it before going on welfare, essentially, she was saying. Yeah, it was an inheritance, an unexpected inheritance yeah. of this hotel, which happens to be built on one of so the seven gates So she doesn't have a choice. She's got, to, yeah. she's got to make it work. Yeah, she said something like, you think this will make me stop? This is my only chance, you mm-hmm. know? You think some spooky story is going to... Yeah. Yeah. I didn't totally understand the concept of the book, the Abus book. No, somehow that's mapping out the fact that there are more passageways in the basement, right? And then once someone saw it, they had to die. Not that book. That that was the that was like the city planning book that like I went and looked at. The I mean the Oh, I conflated all those books. I B O S is that how it was spelled? Uh Abus. yeah, a bunch of vowels, one B. Yeah, that was like the the Necronomicon. That I assume that that is what um, we'll tie the first and the third one to the second one. That, sure. that some will somehow that'll link everything together. You know, okay, yeah, that's I not th- for this movie alone. I think it's just a book that is hell, like Hell's Encyclopedia or something, because mm-hmm. you learn in it that there are seven gates and that one of them happens to be right where this hotel is. And right, the, the accents are all over the place too. I mean, it takes place in Louisiana. I think I heard one actor with an actual <laughs> like southern a accent. Southern accent did barely exist in this. They're movie. just I all just over the place. Like didn't it, even not a priority. It. Like not a concern. No, it's in America. It's in America. That's yeah. America. I'm sure we would do the exact same thing if I tried to make a British movie. Mm-hmm. I would be in the exact wrong county or whatever with the totally terrible accent. Yeah. I'd do a Cockney accent, mm-hmm. but it's supposed to be something completely different. But the practical effects were fun to watch. They it's were fun. the best. Even that was from the so first, good. like the chain smashing into the guy's face. Yeah. And it cut open. That's where it began. Like this guy getting lacerated by chains, which mm-hmm. was like crazily gratuitous. Like they just lashed him and lashed him and lashed him and then they nailed him to a wall and then they threw like hot wax on him or hot something on him to 
boil them away. Yeah. That was so. Uh, it, I don't think it was wet. It felt like well, concrete, wax, right? Like, concrete. It looked like, but it was hot too. <laughs> it was some hot foamy glue. Yeah. Of some kind. Some uh, adhesive. Yeah. They did. There's more. There's more than one face melting in that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the first one was super gross. Um, and uh, I was commenting to you before we started recording about how like. Um, you know, getting a little, a small practical effect of like a wall melting away. Like that was really interesting to me. Just like you mentioned with the, like the spiders, like we had a lot of shots of just seeing something that isn't really an, eff- uh, an effect so much or some like weird things happening. It's just a gross spider yeah. or this like mossy, wet concrete wall that's just melting away as the guy touched it. That to me was really fascinating to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, we just got like, uh, like two straight minutes of just gross wall melting away i'm like why but it really worked and i think like that's something you don't see a lot in movies today is just some component of the set or some very 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 physical thing that the camera's focusing on for like a long period of time yeah it's it's fun for its practical effects and there's definitely a lot of parallels to the void of course yeah yeah dude right this whole gateway and then even that final shot is exactly the same as the void right where you have you just the protagonist and one other person just staring off in this desert like landscape and they're just there and they're stuck. And that's the end. Yeah. And yeah. it's same like, ending. Yep. Yeah. You're kind of been damned to the thing you were fighting the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. The exact same ending. Yeah. And, and but they just, reuse those shots in that, in that scene. They reuse the, not only that scene, I feel like there's a couple, oh, a sure. couple moments where they would just like, you said, pointing out the tarantulas, like mm-hmm. they, with the tarantulas approaching it, like cut to the face, tarantulas yeah. approaching. Fact, the same clip. <laughs> yeah. Tarantulas approaching. Tons and tons of tarantula shots. And yeah, that shot of them when they eventually finally did land in hell, just like in that painting from the beginning. They turn around. Well, what's over this way? Same, same frame. Static shot. But let's check again where we just looked. Same, same shot again. <laughs> One more time to the other place. Same shot. <laughs> they just run into the middle of it again. Like yeah. That. And then hell's like, no, you idiots. Okay, fine. You're blind now. Happy? Yeah. <laughs> now you can't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> you have to keep looking behind you. Not only love- are you blind, you're disappearing. We're going to fade you away. I love that that's like Hell's voice. That Hell's narrator is like, yeah, you're blind now. Happy? Yeah. That's what you get for coming to Hell. Sucker. <laughs> yeah, the blind element didn't make any sense to me. Or I mean, it didn't wasn't justified. Or The whole, the whole Emily plot line, like she was in Hell. Like was she there from earlier? They talked a little bit about the house she lived in and how that house was abandoned. So are we to think that... Emily was someone who, like in the twenties, got sucked into hell. That's what I got near the end, but I didn't right take that throughout the whole film. So, like, maybe she was one of the people in the hotel. And did Emily actually play any helpful role in bringing that person to hell? And why? Why does hell care about getting this other person to like? There's not. There doesn't seem to be enough stakes in any direction about why yeah. anything's happening. It does seem completely right? like random like, and just vaguely yeah. orbiting. But what I loved was some of the dreamlike logic and scenes that would happen, especially with introducing certain characters, like when Liza was driving down the highway and ran into Emily for the first time. This just yeah. vast open road, like that's beautiful. I love how dreamlike it is. Yeah, and she weird. slowly approaches. You don't know what's happening. Slams on the brakes. Yeah. yeah. So there's just moments that I loved so much. But yeah, and uh, so I wonder. Emily must be. Um, from the hotel because they said in the hotel all the guests yes like, everyone vanished, disappeared yeah right and early on when they're like fixing it up that's the image that the dude saw and fell mm-hmm. it was her her blind her eyes, eyes yeah, yeah, right yeah. so like she must have been someone who's from there yeah someone and who disappeared originally and maybe the townsfolk um are blaming all the original disappearances on that one painter dude who was left and maybe hell originally sent the painter dude back to paint that image you know oh. of that hell and because he was sent back and given this task, like, okay, you can go back to the real world as long as you paint this thing. That's why he's there and he's looking ominous as the townspeople come to kill him because he's the only one left. And therefore, they blame him for the disappearance of everyone else in the hotel. That's possible. Like We're pitching theories. We really have to pitch theories. theories on this because, yeah, it doesn't make The movie the, itself is sense. not giving it to no, us. Yeah. No. Well, maybe if we... No, we paid attention. We didn't... Dude, yeah, there's no... Like, yeah, we didn't have any explanation for Emily, for the painter dude, dude for... And maybe the first movie and the third movie do. Painter dude, it reminded me of uh, Devil's Candy. Um, and I wonder if they're painting. <laughs> uh, well, I wonder. Well, he's painting literally hell and like, tor- like you know, the damnation of, of someone else. Like, mm-hmm. And it was based on the location that he was in. I wonder if he was being like told to do that. I wonder if like. That's what I just said. I said he was maybe sent back by the hell people <laughs> to paint hell. Well, I, well, you said he was sent back. I'm saying like he's a normal guy. And that's like he's painting that because 
Um, he's in this, he's at the gate and he's just a painter and he like, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. But the reason I think that maybe he was sent back if we're just pitching plot ideas yeah, is because that's what Emily is done. Like Emily is back and Emily is yeah. spared from hell because she was sent specifically by demons. So you're to, saying for some reason he's like Emily's like the contemporary version of him who may have been yes. like sent back in a previous event. Yes, you're getting there. Okay. You're getting it. I'm getting it. <laughs> you're getting my Your my pitch pitched idea of maybe what, how this how we can possibly explain what's happening in this movie because Emily's role there doesn't even seem to be necessary like liza yeah, is yeah, at the yeah. hotel she's gonna i don't understand what emily is doing there and what it is when she's saying i did what you asked i did what you asked what it is they asked yeah that seems to be like a very crucial piece of information for making this make sense yeah it's and like, she's why was she there what was she supposed to do no like emily at first is warning liza she's like don't come here like it's bad stay out of the house and then when she stay out of the hotel and then when she does come back there's that moment of emily going i warned you like why didn't you stay away why didn't you stay away so I'm not sure what it is that Emily was yeah. sent to do. Is she trying to help or is she trying to hurt? Yeah. That makes no sense to me now. I'm so confused. But then she got eaten by her own dog mm-hmm. pretty awesomely. Yeah, it was great because the throat biting was one one jump and then mm-hmm. the dog came in for another round at the ear. Another bite. Yeah. I do love how like they were never cool with like the one and done murder is like what kills you is like three to 12 horrible chunks of your body getting ripped out of you, either by spider yeah. or by dog or by chains or yeah. by, you know but for the cl- big climactic moment where hell is unleashed and they have to somehow navigate and avoid all demon type people the demons are just slow lazy zombies they just were just zo- one for one zombies yeah and zombie logic that you shoot them in the head and they'll go down shoot them in the chest and they'll keep going forward which is like this is zombie logic not demon or hell type logic like, yeah, I kind of wanted to talk about that because um, the book said that um, uh, the dead will walk the earth or something. Like, So I think those were straight up zombies, not just demons, but straight up right. zombies. So his interpretation in, of hell being unleashed is zombie-esque. Yeah, and um, the at that point in time, they had retreated to this guy's like to the hospital, right? Because that's where he got his gun out of his desk and then the other doctor was there. Yeah, why, why did um, they go to the hospital right away? I don't know. <laughs> Get his gun. <laughs> but then they turned out they were but, in the basement the whole time. Yeah, of course. Um, but because they're in the hospital, all like hell be unleashed, the dead walk the earth. Theoretically, those are the people who died in the hospital, yeah. right? Yeah. Like that's, Absolutely. I don't know. I liked that. I liked, mm-hmm. they were just zombies and I didn't have a way to reconcile that, but I did think it was pretty interesting, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, but it's just not enough for me of like an explosive ending. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you're the whole yeah. time you're like hell 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 right on what's coming what's coming you know what i mean and the void pays it off tenfold like yes it's super fucking, fucking exciting yeah yeah it's horrible and yeah super exciting whereas here it's just like oh some dead people not in a hospital walking like slow zombies and they just it was it, like 15 fucking minutes of just <laughs> shooting like slow walking zombies in over and over again just it was just boring like you do it once or whatever yeah. but literally you turn a corner shoot some more people turn a corner shoot some more people not and only that but turn a corner and shoot someone in the belly two times before realizing shoot them in the oh, head head he did that same scene yeah. like three or four times yeah that was that was admittedly annoying yeah and for that to be the big finale of yeah. the movie is like yeah. Yeah. pretty big letdown and the idea is that it was oppressing them like into the elevator so that they would go down and theoretically there they are they're in hell right is that what you got I no, I don't know because like all of a sudden in one moment they're just back in the basement. So the elevator had no real role. Like, it didn't matter if they went up or down because they're just really in the basement the whole time. They haven't left the hotel or haven't left hell yet. Or or all roads lead to blank kind of deal. Exactly. Like you couldn't get away because you started this curse. Exactly. On just like fourteen oh eight. Just like another movie. I'm not going to name here because you haven't seen it and I want to watch it with you. Yeah. Um, and that'll give it away. Exactly. That's <laughs> happened so many times in this podcast. <laughs> That was a lot of criticisms, but like we've said in passing a lot of times in this discussion is that like the effects and the gore were just awesome. They're so fun. And there are a few shots that looked great, um, like especially when they're going away from the hotel and all of a sudden the lights are turning on in the rooms and like people are waking up. That was awesome. Like, that's incredible. Okay. All the people who have died in the hotel are back. Let's go back in that hotel. Let's find mm-hmm. out what's going on there. What are those people like, you know, that are now suddenly appearing in the hotel? I want to see what that's all about. But yeah. no, we don't get anything of that. No, um, <laughs> I was really frustrated with this movie because yeah, there's so much you. potential. Like, there's so many things that I really, really liked and want to see drawn out in different ways, but I just feel it wasn't executed um, as a like anywhere near as effectively as it could. I'm with you on that, but I mean, I feel like this movie has left me with lots of visuals that are going to stick with me for a long time. Definitely. Joe's death, 
was um that was a great jump moment right at the top yeah hand reaches out grabs on the face pushes his eye out of place there were a couple great uh eye gore moments in this movie they like for sure the eye coming out Uh and they like the eye coming out sort of so you could see it come out Mm -hmm. not just so it's out and someone's holding it look it's your eye that's ghoulish yeah it's like somebody's thumb goes in somebody like beside someone's eye so you never lose sight of it in the whole shot and then gets popped out Igor is like Igor is such a great staple of Italian horror. Like it happens in a few different movies. It happens in one Argento movie, um, in a very satisfying way. And I think that's influenced American directors in a certain way. I think it definitely influenced uh, Nick Winding Refn's Neon Demon. Sure, that one with the eye plays such a great role in the end of that movie. (laughs) It's so big. And even Eli Roth's Hostel, like when like in the the blowtorch scene with the eyeball in the first one, is like very very effective. Well, I kind of remember that. Obviously, we should watch hostels. We probably should. Yeah, yeah Get we some will. Gross score on a little more contemporary. Yeah, but that's but, that's kind of a modern iteration of this. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, we want to show practical effects and show kind of the goriness of what we can do with these practical effects and have some kind of narrative that can stitch it together. And then people can be critical of whether or not they like that narrative and whether or not they think it works. Maybe hostel works even better as a I think, whole no- narrative. I think the hostel narrative works better, but the scope is lower. Like the the scope in this one is that like this is one of the seven gates of yeah hell we're getting and, way more metaphysical and yeah, talking yeah. about way broader themes which makes it more exciting but then arguably hostile is more horrific because you're just it's just humans like this is exactly just the darkness yeah. of you take humans. out the you know um fantasy element of yeah yeah and that fantasy element sort of trumps somebody dying mm-hmm. you know somebody dying even horrifically yeah but um another um i gore thing i want to talk about is when the straight up tarantulas they the dude's like mouth and f- nose and eyeball. And... I feel like that was a seven to eight minute sequence. <laughs> just tarantulas crawling over his face, biting off chunks, squeaking, just little squeaking, chattering, squeaking tarantulas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they're little Suspiria bats or something. It's on our before I wake episode, King James art said, is it any good? I've been hearing about it. Um, it is any good. It's dramatic and it's all just about these people and these characters with mm-hmm. this, really great twist yeah that just feeds into this fantasy horror watch it king james art if you can um again this movie has no distribution because the studio that picked it up at tiff collapsed and as a result it's just in limbo right now except for for some reason the canadian distribution channels the way that they signed the deal is that they'd somehow still be able to release it. So that's why we have Before I Wake on Canadian Netflix. I was going to say it's on Netflix. And it's like the o- one of the only places in the world that you can watch it. And then the rest of the world is just not available in any that's way. hilarious to think that people need to throw on their VPNs to Canada so they can watch Netflix yeah. on their browser. Or, or catch it or download it illegally. Or go to YouTube. Yeah. I think it's on YouTube. But I've heard I heard a recent interview with Mike Flanagan where he, he expressed his disappointment that it is released in some places. He's like, I honestly, like, I wouldn't, I'm not happy that it's, that in Canada it is released because I, I still would like and I still am holding out for getting a wider distribution and having an actual release. But he said one of the things he feels so stupid about now, about mm. if it does get a wide release, is that... Jacob Tremblay, he essentially discovered Jacob Tremblay for that movie, for Before I Wake. Yeah, and, and it's coming out so far after. Exactly. Room. And it says in the credits, introducing Jacob Tremblay. Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> so he's like, Jacob Tremblay is literally the biggest child actor right now. Yeah. And we just look, we'll just look stupid if we say introducing Jacob Tremblay in a movie that comes out now. Well, they still can technically hold on to that claim. Like, yeah. they did it first. It might be confusing for some people. In it fact, it certainly will. But I mean, if it makes you Google stuff, that's not a bad thing. It could help out. Movie. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I found out too that he, Flanagan was aware of the casting process for Room that they were looking for someone. And he sent the producers of Room when they were looking for no. a child actor, sent them clips of Before I Wake to be like, look, I found this great child actor. You should look at this guy. So Mike Flanagan is the reason that Jacob Tremblay was in Room. Fucking Flanagan. Got to go to the Oscars, got to be huge or whatever. What? <laughs> Isn't that nuts? Man, Mike Flanagan changing the world. So we have another uh, comment here on Instagram on our uh, loved ones post from LeMay the Nay Jr., I think. Uh, good movie, and she's hot. Ooh. All right, well. That's not my my takeaway. That's it? not what I took from no. it either. Because, I mean, the um, image that I have plastered in my mind is her holding a knife with, like, blood all over her like crawling on her elbows down the highway god crawling into frame one of the best shots yeah ever (laughs) (laughs) and i don't go like ooh, look at that i go like (laughs) fuck (laughs) and i picture just about making out with her father 
Yep, and yep, yep. Hot doesn't come to mind, too. <laughs> not at all. I picture her, like, you know, tentatively drilling into a dude's skull. <laughs> not totally interested. But, but we agree uh, with you that it's a great it movie. It is a good movie. As you've said, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's a beautiful woman, so I won't take that away either. But yeah. um, this character in particular, we don't. I'm not totally into her. <laughs> Attractive but, uh, isn't the first thing that comes to mind. Thank you for um, that comment, LeMay the Nay Jr. Yeah. I assume I haven't messed that up. Thanks, Scaredy Cats, for listening to another episode of Text Chris Dave Saw Massacre. I've been Chris Vandenberg. And I've been David Stoneborough. And as always, Chaos Reigns, Chaos Reigns, Chaos Reigns, Chaos Reigns. Tarantulas eat your eyeballs, Chaos Reigns. Watch out for them, Tarantulas, Scared Cats. And we'll see you next time.